Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. A rule of thumb I've had in the past is think, would I do this if my CEO was standing next to me? And then, you know, maintain that level of professionalism. Hey U-Turners, it's Ash here, and it is another week in the work category, and as always, you can count on me to bring you some of the most incredible leaders right now in the workplace, and that is why I'm bringing Michelle Almer onto the podcast, Chief People Officer at Career Builder. I'm excited to ask her what they have going on at Career Builder, how you can use it for your job hunt, and today in particular, I want to talk to her about how you can accelerate your career, because as we were talking before I started recording, she had so much to say about um, different ways that you can think about your career and use that to accelerate it. So Michelle, thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Woohoo! And, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, I, I can't help but ask you what got you to career builder or what got you so connected to helping people in the workforce in the way that you do. You know, the thing that brought me to uh, Career Builder at the very beginning was that it's a learning culture. And, you know, for me, that was a really important aspect to selecting a company that I wanted to work at. Um, You know, one where uh, your title doesn't matter, your level doesn't matter, everyone has a voice in, you know, shaping the company direction and giving feedback. And so, that's what brought me to Career Builder. Um, and certainly what keeps me there is partially, you know, the opportunity to continually learn and try new things. Um, but it's also a really great, you know, company purpose, connecting companies to people that, that need jobs and helping people further their careers. Like, it's a great, you know, a, a great thing that we're all working toward together. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, when you're the chief people officer of a company like Career Builder, it's almost like this double uh, pressure where you guys are in the workforce setting an example um, in the career space. And so I would just love to learn from you a little bit about, um, you know, how do you decide when it's time to go to HR versus handle something on your own? Because I know everybody at work right now, there's something they're navigating. And most of the time, they're probably thinking, this is something I need to deal with on my own, whether it's like a difficult manager they need to have a conversation with. When is the time to loop HR in? Well, I mean, it, it, 
is really dependent on the situation and what's happening. And to some extent, you know, you need to, to trust your instincts, but I think, you know, and, and part of that, you know, hope going to HR thing, I'd use quotes around that if I could, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like people should not feel uncomfortable about that because, you know, there, there's always these fallacies like that we have files and there's a note in the file or um, a black mark on my record because I talk to human resources. Like, I mean, HR is there as a resource for employees, for managers to navigate difficult situations. Um, we're there to help the company have strategies around um, the employment experience and attracting the right people. You know, HR is, is not synonymous with, with the police or something like that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think some people still think like, okay, this is escalating if I'm going to HR, yes, you know? Yes. So, and I also no, think that and, people are afraid yeah. to appear petty, you know, like they don't want to be like, Hey, I have this tip with this person. Like it's such a fine line between looking petty and being mindful of, Hey, I really want to make the work environment a better place. And there's an issue here. So what would you say are some indicators where it's like, Hey, don't handle this on your own. This is something to come to HR for. Well, I mean, my rule of thumb would be that if, um, you know, if something immediately makes you feel uncomfortable, it's, you know, against company policy, it's illegal, it's, you know, potential, you know, serious, egregious harassment, like, uh, go straight to HR. Like, that's what they're there for. And having a conversation about what you've experienced isn't something that has a, has a definitive course of action, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's advice, you know, HR people are there to, um, protect the company, protect the employees, but, but also to be a sounding board. Um, and HR people can be a really great resource for that. Um, you know, if you're concerned that something's going to be perceived as petty, like that might be a good indication that it's, um, something that you'd bring to that (laughs) person first and say, you know, did I, did I do everything in my power to, to try to fix this before I'm looping in something else? Like if Ashley's sitting next to me and is doing something that's bothering me, like, did I tell her? Because if, if I haven't given that person a chance to, um, to resolve things on their own, then, you know, I, I haven't taken ownership of the situation. Definitely. And, I think that um, a lot of people, you know, one of the topics I was talking to you about earlier was this idea of difficult managers. Like, there's a lot of health and positivity in the workplace. There's also a lot of toxicity sometimes. And I know somebody listening right now, without a doubt, has a manager that they get butterflies of fear in the pit of their stomach as they're on the way to work. And this manager is just so hard on them and so reactive towards them. Um, what are some thoughts you would have about how to navigate that kind of manager or boss? Sure. I mean, I, I think that um, there's there are always going to be tools out there that you can use to kind of frame the conversation. Like a great example would be if you feel like, you know, deadlines are too tight or something's not realistic, you know, most companies use, um, you know, or recommend having smart goals. Is the goal specific? Is it measurable? Is it attainable? Is it realistic? And is there a time frame around that? Right. Yeah. So you can take 
whatever your manager gave you and put it in a framework like that and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm having problems understanding specifically <laughs> what you're looking for. What format do you want this in? How, you know, and by asking those, those thoughtful questions, you're demonstrating to your manager that you want to achieve the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, or I've had um, a lot of situations where, you know, someone feels like, you know, the, the manager's not giving them specific performance feedback. So, you know, one, one thing that's important is to feel comfortable sitting down and having an honest, candid face-to-face conversation, you know, using specific examples and, you know, talking about what you think was a positive outcome and trying to figure out where the gap is. If the manager didn't think that there was a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is helpful. And, you know, for someone who wants to kind of initiate the conversation because they just really want their work environment to be better. Do you have any communication um, tips on how to start a conversation with a difficult manager? And when really the request is, Hey, can you be nicer to me? You know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, kill them with kindness, maybe. No, but um, I, I think that it can be helpful to, to really try to take the emotion out of the situation and, you know, present it in a very calm, like fact-based way. Because if a manager feels that they're being, you know, attacked, it could be put on the defensive. So a really great way uh, to level set in any difficult conversation is starting with a shared positive outcome. You know, hey, I really want to make this initiative successful. Like, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Like, how can we do it together? And, um, you know, using those we words. So like, how can we make this better, mm-hmm. um, is helpful. And then, um, if that's, you know, that's a softer, gentler approach to the problem. Mm-hmm. But if, if that isn't successful, Um, then, you know, my phase two of that would be, you know, specifically outlining what happens and how that makes you feel. Mm -hmm. When you say this, it makes me feel like I haven't been successful. Mm -hmm. You know, I also know that, you know, with the holidays coming at any time of the year, any sort of holiday, any sort of party, that there's like always drinking that goes on and stuff like that. And I was so curious to hear what your opinion was on that before we, you know, cause we're talking about how to accelerate your career. And I'm sure at a party, you can very quickly de-accelerate your career if you don't be mindful. So what are some pieces of feedback or thoughts you have around holiday parties and how to stay professional, but also have a great time? Well, um, a really important piece of advice is that if um, you are experiencing any issues with your manager at work, don't bring them up at the holiday party or after you've consumed any alcoholic beverages. That's not, you know, you have to be thoughtful about the time and the place for those things. And um, I think with a, a holiday party, like what's the purpose of a holiday party? It's to spend some time with your coworkers um, in an informal setting where you can bond and, you know, celebrate uh, the season, so to speak. So I think that, you know, just remembering that the holiday party is a, is a nice way to make connections, maybe, you know, leave, leave the office talk for the office, but at the same time, keep your, you know, consumption to a, um, 
to a minimum mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, you know, be, be thoughtful about, um, how you're portraying yourself in this kind of a setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a rule of thumb I, I've had in the past is think, would I do this if my CEO was standing next to me and then, you know, maintain that level of professionalism? Yeah. I love that. I love whenever you're having a tough conversation, asking yourself, if I had an audience that I wasn't aware, if this was on camera, how would I feel about how I'm showing up? And and I think that's a really powerful question. And, you know, do you have any thoughts? I saw that you have an MBA and I know that an MBA is not for everyone. Um, Do you have any thoughts on who would be good to consider an MBA versus people who maybe are spending a lot of money and not going to get the ROI on it? I think it, it depends on a lot of things. One thing that, um, people interested in an MBA can do is, um, you know, go to, um, seminars offered by various universities and a lot of them will allow you to sit in on one class. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a great way to figure out, am I truly motivated to do this? Because I'll be honest, I looked at several different programs over, I think a two year period before I finally buckled down and committed to my university and said, I'm actually ready to do this now. Uh, because it's not a decision you want to take lightly, especially if you're going to be working full time and, uh, going to school full time as well. Like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, if, if someone is interested, they can, you know, try to pinpoint the right program there are also a lot of employers that will um, help with tuition reimbursement. So looking for a company that has a strong tuition reimbursement program uh, can be a way to make it more affordable. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I think that a lot of positions benefit from a master's degree or a master's in business administration, regardless of the business group you work for or your career goals. It's always helpful to have, um, you know, leadership, ethics, um, stronger financial acumen. Like those are things that can really benefit you in a wide variety of careers, especially if you want to pursue a leadership path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, so on the note of accelerating your career and leadership, um, I know one of the things you said that helps accelerate your career is to take more risks. Do you have, uh, what thoughts do you have on that for everybody listening? Cause I know that when somebody thinks of the concept of taking a risk, their stomach might drop a little bit. Um, <laughs> so how do you decide what risks to take and how to take them? Well, I think many people, myself included, have that fear of failure, you know, it's fear of failing a test when you're in school, fail of getting a bad grade, grade, and you know, a fear that your parents are going to punish you if you um, aren't successful at, at something. And, and a lot of us, you know, come out with a you know success-oriented mindset. I want to be successful, and this is what it looks like to me. But if you don't take the time to really get yourself out of your comfort zone and actually feel slightly uncomfortable with something you're taking on, you're just not growing at the pace you could be. I mean, if you're a hundred percent successful at everything you're trying, that's a little boring, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways, um, you can kind of start 
you know, towing into <laughs> taking these risks, um, you know, in your current role, it might be offering to help with um, a project that's not directly in your area of expertise, um, proposing new ideas, like these are great ways to just try. And I think that the important thing there is to try not to let it get you down when it doesn't go exactly right because mm-hmm. learning is an intentional part of the process. Mm-hmm. So what is like one risk, like a tangible risk that you would suggest somebody consider taking right now or considering in their career? You know, as always, it's, it's dependent on their, um, you know, on their career goals to, to be, you know, specifically what I would, I would recommend them doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, something like offering to mentor new employees, if you're not a leader yet, or, um, again, volunteering to be, um, a project manager in a significant, significant, you know, endeavor at your office or, trying to, uh, coordinate some cross-functional initiatives. Like those are great ways to, you know, not only take, you know, take a risk and learn about something new, but a way to demonstrate that you're, you know, you're capable of, of doing more. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And I know everybody listening, like they love actionable steps or things that they can do in, in, as part of this risk. So let's say that somebody is like a manager and they're listening right now and they want to move up. Um, what would be a good risk for them to consider taking as it relates to that? Hmm. Well, one of the, the other things, um, you know, I think is, is valuable to think about is, is how you spend your time at work mm-hmm. and how you you know, what amount of time are you spending on your just day to day? I'm a person that, that checks everything off my list and I get the job done versus am I thinking strategically about are all of the actions I'm taking the right actions? And if I were to, um, you know, make, make higher level recommendations to my manager about how effective or efficient my department is, what's the what's the impact we're having on clients or, or other groups. And so, you know, a great risk for a manager to take when you want to be thinking about like, how, how can I get to that director level is to um, flex your strategic muscles and be thinking about that big picture and how to um, drive something forward in your business. Mm, okay. And Another topic you talked about was just uh, prioritizing your time, because I know that we live in a world of email, text messages, tweets, and Slack notifications, just to name a few, and people are probably more interrupted than ever. So I would just love to kind of hear, like, how do people prioritize their time when they have got managers, clients, and emails just flooding their ears? 
Well, this is a really silly example, but one thing I think about is that if you don't give yourself a specific time frame that you need to be in and out of the grocery store or Target, you can find yourself lost in there for, you know, an hour, two hours, like your time just melts away, right? But if you have a plan of action and you say, I'm going to get these 10 things and I need to be in and out in 22 minutes, you can do it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to your time, if you are just letting that reactive, I got a Slack message, I'm getting text messages, people are leaving me voicemails, I have 700 emails in my inbox, and I'm just focused on that, you can let that take up all 40 hours of your work week. That's mm. not a good use of time. You know, you have to set aside, I'm going to spend three hours a week reading, a, you know, reading some business articles and learning about new topics and making sure that I'm setting aside time for my own professional development. I'm going to spend 20 minutes a day um, thinking about strategic initiatives and, you know, planning my time and how should I be doing things. So I think that you have to be really careful to create your own agenda for your role and say, these are the the big picture things I think I should achieve in my role and then not letting that urgent but not important stuff kind of take over because you know what that you you let it become someone else's agenda mm-hmm. and it should be yours. You are the driver of how you use your time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, I know that some people really struggle to set boundaries around their time because, you know, they've got demanding clients and it's tied to their performance. So what, what is that point where they start creating boundaries or do you have any suggestions on creating boundaries around email or meetings so that they can start protecting their time and their achievements a little bit more? Absolutely. I mean, one thing I always, um, ask people when they, when they say, can you, you know, help me with this or that, or some, some analysis of, or recommendations, I always say, when do you need it? And I, it, you know, because if they, if they haven't given me a time, I want to understand what is it for, what, you know, because if, if you treat everything like it's important, nothing's important. Ah, love that. Okay. You know, ask when it's actually due and don't be afraid to push back. And they might say, uh, how about tomorrow close the business? And I say, would Friday morning work? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, you know, you have the right to negotiate your time and you also have the right to say, I'm working on an, on a deadline or, you know, here's when I can get to that. And, and, you know, that, that will help, um, lessen some of it'll, it'll help the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, as it relates to getting really comfortable and confident, objecting to other people and having difficult conversations. Um, I know that you said that that's such a tool for accelerating your career, being comfortable, being confident, not being afraid to object. That is one of the scariest things I know for people who are sitting in a meeting and they don't agree with something. They really have their own opinion about it. What suggestions do you have for somebody to overcome that? Self-confidence is really, you know, some, some of the key to that. And, um, you know, in, in some ways you can, uh, start small and start, um, you know, offering different, different perspectives or, um, and, and that's really a culture that you, uh, if you are a manager want to create on your team, 
Mm -hmm. because having diverse opinions and thoughts um, is always going to lead a group to a better solution than if everyone just goes around the table and says, yes, yes, yes. That's a great Mm -hmm. idea. Like yeses don't bring great things. Mm -hmm. So creating a culture where people can, can say, well, what's another way we could do it? And thinking deeper and thinking, you know, what, what's the why behind the, the way we're doing things? And so I've gone so far as to delegate people that I call just devil's advocates, in my opinion. I'm like, whatever I say, disagree with me. Yeah. And it becomes fun. I mean, it, I think it's important to have that become part of your workplace and something, you know, you're, you're comfortable with. And if you are uncomfortable, you can say, you know, just want to make sure we're thinking about this from all sides. Like, you know, here's a here's a different approach or, you know, to play devil's advocate. What if this happens? Um, you can also frame it like scenario planning. What's the best case scenario. What's the worst case scenario. What's the most likely scenario. Mm. Like, I think when you say it like that, people don't take it as personally. Mm, Okay. And when you kind of tune into, um, you know, people objecting more, there's sometimes where they're in the moment and they haven't had time with somebody on their team to object, you know, uh-huh. um, like they haven't taken a practice round. They're in the heat of the moment. They don't agree. They think it's really important that in this meeting, people are aware of it. And if they want to contribute at the highest level, this is something they're clear on. What thoughts do you have for some to, um, support somebody in the heat of the moment who hasn't necessarily prepared, but it's like, that's their opportunity to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a great way to do it is to, um, you know, just kind of quickly sketch out, like, what are the bullet points and where am I getting my information and how confident am I? Cause a lot of times I'll say, I'm 80% sure that this is, you know, actually the case or just taking a, a, a minute inside to kind of think through what's my talk track and what are my reasons if possible, you know, that's, that's a good way to approach it. But conversely, just never let anyone force you to commit to something like you have the right to change your mind. And you also have the right to say, you know, I would like to give this some more thought. Can we meet again in the morning? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I would like to give this some more thought. Can I send you an email and then we can uh, you know, chat about it later. So just don't nod just because you haven't had a chance to think through it. Ah, okay. Really helpful. And yeah, just like kind of as we're completing, um, I want to just like any pieces of advice, like that you wish you knew before you learned as much as you did in your career, anybody listening, if you could give them a couple great pieces of advice to consider in their career, what would you want to leave on this note with? What would you want them to know? Well, I think that when you're considering your career, never sell yourself short. There is a lot of great opportunities out there. And if you're not sure exactly what career is right for you, or you're not happy and you want to change, but you don't know exactly what it is, I mean, do your research. There's all these great tools, you know, download the Career Builder app. And you can explore different careers. You can see, um, you know, where, what the labor pressure is in different, um, different geographic locations. Um, so where, you know, where is there the most opportunity for me and my chosen profession? 
you can utilize our AI artificial intelligence resume builder to figure out how your skills can translate to different things. Um, you know, I, I think that the amount of tools that are available to job seekers and people that are wanting to develop in their careers is, you know, has just grown exponentially and it's a, it's a great thing. So I think, you know, my advice to the listeners is to, um, think really broadly and creatively and, you know, do, do some research, use the tools and you can certainly find, um, a career that, that you love. Mm, Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been so great to have you. Oh, you're welcome. It's been fun. Hey there, it's your girl, Ashley, and I am thinking a lot about this episode with Michelle Armour over at Career Builder. And uh, one thing that really came up for me was when she talked about taking risks in your career and like holding your career lightly and like pushing yourself to explore, I wanted to just leave this episode off with a message about how important it is to trust your seasons and trust your waves. And what I mean by that is sometimes in our career, we're in a state where we are pushing, 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 we get opportunities and we are proving ourselves, or maybe we're in a state where we are searching, 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 we're looking for the next thing that is going to make sense for us. Or maybe we're in a season of rest where things are kind of easy and you don't have to think too hard about your career. But the message that I just want to relay to you that feels so important is just to trust whatever season you're in. Because I think far too often one of the biggest, I don't know if it feels right to say mistakes, but missteps that people make in their career is they identify so much with what season they're in and they start to make stories about themselves or about their future based on where they're at today. And to me, personal development by definition is being able to see beyond that. And that's what wisdom to me is and healing is to me. Um, Every, you know, just like, I feel like I'm going to butcher it, but I believe Lincoln said this too shall pass. And um, I believe that with everything. Everything in life changes, and we are such temporary beings here on the planet in this form. And um, your career is just another element that comes in seasons and waves. And so the question that I want to ask you right now is what's going on in your career? Like, how are you relating to it? Are you in a time of hustle? Are you in a time of searching for more purpose? Are you in a time of ease and not caring? Are you in a time of money and abundance financially? Like, what? season are you in in your career? And so that's the first thing. And then the second question I would have around that is how do you identify with that season? What are you making it mean about you in the future? What are you making it mean about you today, about your value, about what you have going for you or what you don't have going for you or what your non-value is in your head? And how can you start to rise above it? Because we create the reality we think we're in. Um, Our mind shops for proof of what reality we think we're in or what we think the world is. If I ask you right now to close your eyes and think about the color red and when you open them, all you need to do is let me know what you see that's red. Um, You could look around, you could close your eyes again and it's like, I could ask you, what did you see around the room that is the color red? And you'd probably have one or two or three things in mind. If I asked you what you saw in the room that was the color green, you probably wouldn't have something in mind. And I've gotten this example before as a way to prove how our mind just looks for what it's looking for. And it's really the same case with how we identify with ourselves. So 
Um, if you're doing really well in your career, that's amazing. Know that. Um, if you're not doing so well, you, you want more purpose, you want more money, you want more something, that's amazing. But no matter where you are on that spectrum, I think the game is not identifying with either side. And I learned this the hard way when my business kind of um, like went really well and I did millions of dollars in e-course sales. And the next thing I knew, the Facebook algorithm changed and I was losing sales. And um, when you identify too much with your seasons, um, number one, you're not in your humanity anymore because the truth is who you are as a human is complex and it varies and it moves and you're an evolving being at any given moment. Um, But number two, it just didn't work for me because I identified so much with my success that when failure came, whatever that means, like for me, it was losing tons of money. I identified with that too. And it was like this quicksand. And so what I have to offer you today is questioning that you identify with your success and also questioning that you identify with your weakness or your failures or whatever you want, your shortcomings, whatever you want to call it. And instead realize or get curious about who you are beyond both. You know, like your job requires a certain level of skill from you in a certain way. And there's other jobs out there requiring other skill sets that you might be better at, might be worse at, who knows. But chances are you're only using a small threshold of what's possible for you or what you're capable of. And to identify with your results is just a, such a, I think to me, what my friend Gina DeVee, who I love so much, would call small thinking. Um, and so I just want to offer that to you, um, asking you what season are you in and where are you in small thinking, identifying with it when you could be beyond that and realizing that who you are, what you are, what you're capable of is so much more than the job you do and the person you are and the career you have. So um, your career matters, but who you are is bigger. I'm sending you love. I hope this is helpful. Thanks again for sharing this, writing me reviews on the podcast app. It means so much. Those help us so much and um, hope you have a beautiful day. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.